Hey everybody, it's me. It's Dr. Steve Pederuti. You're listening to Intellectual Medicine. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about how much exercise should you really do and can it cause you harm? Our goal, as always, is to aspire to live 120 years. I study this because I never want to die. Now, mortality may come my way, but in the interim, extending youthful vitality is the focus of what we do at intellectual medicine. A lot of standard impressions regarding fitness and youth are misdirected. The reality is that exercise can cause harm. And before we dig deeper into this topic, you always need to pause and ask a simple question, and that is this, why do you exercise? Now, let's back up a little bit and think about this historically speaking. Exercise is a modern phenomenon. You know, 100 years ago, people would never go to a gym. Your life was exercise. Physical activity was woven into the tapestry of daily living. I think it's a bit ironic that the explosion of aerobics, gymnasiums, fitness training has corresponded with an increase in obesity and chronic disease. Now, these could be two separate phenomena, and it is possible that there's a pocket of people who are avoiding or minimizing chronic disease by virtue of their exercise lifestyle. However, in many cases, the effort is misdirected and can be counterproductive. Now, don't get me wrong, I like exercise. I exercise myself on a regular basis. But let's go back to that core question why? Why do you go to the gym? Why do you run? Why do you exercise? If the answer to the question is you're doing it to lose weight, you need to rethink the whole pathway. Exercise is not an efficient, effective, or sustainable method to reduce body fat. I know, I know, I know. It's countervailing to the common opinions, but it's correct. You can't exercise off fat. You've got to change nutrition to achieve it. Sometimes it's a hormonal prerogative. Exercise can be complementary, but we're going to talk about the threshold. What's too much? How about cardiovascular fitness? I want to protect my heart. Well, there's, there is a diminished return on investment with regard to cardiac health and longevity. Exercise is not a linear benefit. More is not better. Higher intensity could be harmful. You know, I look at all these ninja training, high-intensity regimens, and I wonder why. What are these people doing? Look, if you're having fun and you do it because it's just fun, that's totally cool. But if you think you're going to live longer or healthier or avoid disease, think again. So where's the evidence and where, are we, where am I going with this reflection? German athletes, the Olympians, so they did a study published in 2020 And in summary, they found that German Olympic athletes had a shorter life expectancy than the general population. That's interesting. You would imagine that these athletes would live longer. Not true. Amongst athletes and amongst recreational athletes, the group with the longest additional life expectancy are not joggers, they're not bikers, they're not ninja warrior trainers, they're tennis players. Tennis. Now, I don't know about you, and look, I have a lot of respect for tennis as a sport, but it doesn't strike me as 
the peak of intensity. That's 15 love. Uh, you want to serve now or, or, or sip water first? Uh, wait, I have to wipe my brow. They're not exactly grinding out there. And this is consistent with what we have seen with regard to other athletes. In other studies, they have found, for instance, that Olympic high jumpers live much longer than Olympic sprinters. Now, I ran track in high school, and in fact, I did the high jump. And the primary reason I did it, well, one of the reasons, because it was easy. Yeah, you jump a little bit. Yeah, those big cushy mats. We'd lie in those mats. Coach would yell at us, well, coach, we're, we're gearing up for our next jump. Versus the sprinters are grinding, right? They're pushing hard. Other evidence regarding the role of exercise with regard to longevity. That's what we're talking about here, living long, living young. There's something called blue zones. Many of you have perhaps heard of. There is Gary Butner, um, a writer for National Geographic and other, other resources who studied longevity, and he found that there were certain parts of the world where people lived exceptionally long lifespans several of them throughout the world, and they had some things in common. One thing they had in common is natural physical activity. None of them had exercise as a lifestyle routine. They just moved a lot. Their life compelled them to walk, compelled them to move. Okay, so there's a natural tapestry of movement that correlates with health and longevity, and there is concern about too much exercise causing harm. So where's that threshold and why does it occur? When we exercise, we impose a temporary stress on our body. That stress is associated with a release of free radicals that are pro-inflammatory. That stress can correlate with duress to the gastrointestinal tract that can lead to the condition commonly called leaky gut. It's a breakdown of the lining of the colon and the intestine that allows toxins to kind of seep through the cell wall or the gaps between the cells get into the bloodstream. And this leaky gut phenomenon and this cascade of free radicals is more prominent when we exercise at a higher level of intensity. Intense exercise is bad for your health. It may be great if you want to win a 5K. It may be wonderful if you're training for an activity. If you want to have a six-pack ab, that's your prerogative. Do not mistake it with anti-aging. Do not mistake it with longevity. A little fat pad is going to probably afford you more benefit. So where the th- by the way, here's my, here's my uh, perspective. One of the reasons I study this is because I don't like to exercise. Specifically, I do not like the mind-numbing monotony of being on a treadmill or a rowing machine, it's just tedious. On the other hand, I don't want to die, and I want to stay young until I'm dead. So I had to figure out for myself, and on behalf of you all, my my faithful listeners and my patients, where does the line in the sand, where should it be drawn? And where is the sort of the apex of benefit with the minimum of pain? Well, let's look at the pain factor for a moment. High-intensity exercise has been shown to be cardiotoxic. That is, there's a correlation between intensity and increased rate of cardiac dysrhythmias, including atrial fibrillation. 
Atrial fibrillation, abbreviated AFib, is an irregular form of a heart rate that can increase risk of stroke. It's increased as we get older, and it's increased in high-intensity trainers, people that are exercising intensely. In fact, the rate of atrial fibrillation in high-intensity exercisers has been found in at least one study to be the same as couch potatoes. You're just as well off channel surfing as you are intense exercising to avoid irregular heart rhythm called AFib. On the other hand, the people who had modest physical activity had the lowest rate of atrial fibrillation. This makes intuitive sense. If a little bit of something is good, a ton of it's not necessarily better. They also looked at another study. That, so the question then becomes, all right, where is that cutoff? We know that being sedentary is bad. We've been told that sitting is the new smoking. So how do we balance all these things? They did a study looking at folks who had had heart attacks, and they looked at their activities after the heart attack. And they found those with the lowest rate of recurrent cardiac events are the individuals that had modest physical activity. The folks who moved from a modest to a more intense category had increased rates of heart attacks and complications. And for this study, that threshold, if you're a runner, was anything above about four miles per day, or if you pursue brisk walking, was anything above about six miles per day. Now, depending on how quickly you run, let's imagine you do a 10-minute mile. Those four miles were going to take you about 40 minutes. And that kind of dials us in to the time zone based upon the research and studies that I've done, as well as my clinical observations amongst my own patients. I advocate for targeting no more than about 30 minutes of cardiovascular training in any one session. And I advocate for that to be done in an intermittent fashion. Evidence is accumulating that constant training levels is less beneficial than intermittent. What do I mean? It's the interval train. It's the burst of higher intensity followed by a lower intensity regimen. When I was running track, we call this in and out. We would, we would stride along the straightaway and we would slowly jog around the bend in the curve. You can mimic this with any other activity. The point being not to be constant, whether you're on a treadmill, a rowing machine, or any other activity that you're doing. Now, certain activities lend themselves to this sort of intermittent activity naturally. A pickup soccer match comes to mind, a tennis match, jogging not so much, or biking more often are constant variables unless you're making it a point to be intermittent with the burst, which I advocate based upon cardiac training, that seems to be most beneficial. The intermittent activity also can reduce monotony. So if your goal is to maintain the highest level of health, not necessarily the highest level of fitness, these are two different things, then I advocate that you target the 30-minute modest intensity. Don't worry about getting your heart rate up to an incredible high rate. Don't worry about high intensity. You're not going to burn more fat ultimately than if you do the more modest activity. Remember, we could talk about this at other, at other podcasts. Fat reduction is a whole separate science unto itself. Suffice it to say that you cannot go into the gym and burn more and more calories by extending your exercise regimen. When you do that, so let's imagine you say, Doc, that's nonsense. 
calories in, calories out. If I go to the gym and I double the amount of time I spend on my treadmill, I must, by extension, lose weight. Well, perhaps temporarily. But remember, the body reacts to the acute stress by preparing for what comes next. If you go into the gym on an empty stomach and exercise intensely for a long period of time in order to force your body to burn fat and thereby reduce fat cells, the first thing your body will do with the first bite of food you eat thereafter is grow back the fat. It is shoveling sand against the tide. The body reacts to the acute stress in an adaptive mechanism to preserve its fat. In fact, it will do that ahead of growing muscle, bone, or other vital organ. So do not think that you can chase away fat by exercise. Better to spend the 30 minutes extra of exercise time planning a, uh, a diet and planning um, a regimen of eating. So those are my advocacies to be cautious about how you apply your exercise. Now, what about, what about the um, effect on the gastrointestinal health and the leaky gut? What can you do? Suppose you're somebody who wants to train intensely. You enjoy that activity. You want to do bodybuilding. You want to be buffed for the beach. You want to be able to compete in a 100-kilometer uh, bike ride. Well, bearing in mind that there's a, a cascade of free radicals after that kind of intense exercise, I advocate that you use your antioxidants post-exercise. Vitamin C, omega-3s, vitamin E, these are all beneficial. In fact, if you have access to an infusion center, if there's a drip bar near you, periodic infusion with the um, intravenous antioxidants, including the amino acid glutamine. Glutamine is one of the most abundant amino acids in the body, and it does help to shore up those leaky guts that folks get after intense exercise. The other variable to bear in mind, whether you are a uh, individual who's training or you're just looking for a life extension benefit, you want to bear in mind the need for periodic exercise breaks. You got to be able to Take a gap out of the exercise to let your body regenerate. How do you know if you're overtraining? If you're finding yourself getting tired, getting run down in the gym, if you're finding yourself losing power and stamina, those can be signs of overtraining. Irritability, short-temperedness, mood alteration. Whenever the gut gets involved, like a leaky gut, there's a connection between gut and brain. Now, the first thing some folks will do when they start to feel a decrease of benefit in the gym is try to exercise more intensely. Well, that can be counterproductive. Remember that training and your response to it requires proper nutritional input and proper sleep cycle. If you're not getting restorative sleep, all your exercise efforts will be for naught. A lot of folks exercise for the benefit of muscular structure. I think this is fantastic. Given my druthers, I'd rather lift weights than run and jog. But that takes me to another important exercise caveat, folks. People ask me all the time, what should I do, doc? What kind of exercise is best? And I tell them it's the one you like, the one you find enjoyable. We can argue all day long of the merit of weightlifting versus running versus swimming. 
But you know what? If you hate swimming, you ain't going to do it. So why even put it in the equation? And if you hate weightlifting, you ain't going to do it. So just don't bother trying to force square peg in around holes. Adapt your physical activity to your lifestyle. Take comfort in the fact that going to the gym is fully optional when it comes to anti-aging and weight management. Take comfort in the fact that simply breaking up sedentary lifestyle is cardioprotective. The research on exercise, now I'm putting that in quotes, shows that if you merely get up out of your chair every 10 or 15 minutes and move around for 60 seconds, there's enormous cardiac benefit to you without having to sweat, without having to change your clothes, without having to go to the gym. I mean, I remember back, you know, when I started in the 1970s, strength training and doing physical activity, a gym was a cement box with weights in it. Now, forget it, it's become a fashion show and an incredible display. Look, it's not a bad thing. My point in bringing it to light is that it is as much fashion as substance. So if you want to live a long life, avoid high-intensity exercise, or if you're doing it because you enjoy it, then take pleasure in the activity, but bear in mind the need to neutralize toxic effect with appropriate use of antioxidant therapy. For high-intensity trainers at Drip Bar, we advocate for an infusion called the All-Star, which includes antioxidants as well as the glutamine. So the next reflection when it comes to longevity, exercise, and physical activity is informed a little bit by the uh, occupations that have some of the longest lifespans. One of those, perhaps the leading occupation, actually was firefighters. This is a little bit counterintuitive. You would think they'd have a lower life expectancy with a high-risk job, but in fact, they have one of the lowest on-the-job mortality rates of all jobs out there. And their job entails kind of physical activity, moving around. Accountants were pretty high in longevity. I don't know why. Accountants, I I mean, I picture them just kind of sitting there all day long, but maybe they're just very astute when regarding to actuarial projections for their own lifespan. Farmers also tended to do pretty well with longevity. In the world of athletes, in addition to tennis players, high-level sailors had long lifespans, as did and conductors, musical conductors, they have in common not only gradual and modest physical activity, uh, but relative wealth, which is another determinant of life expectancy. So back to the exercise. I love exercise. If, if, if I had to pick one for you, it would be strength training. And here's, here's a, a nice thing to know about powerlifting, strength training, and muscle building. You only need to do it once a week to gain benefit. Studies have demonstrated if you lift weights one time per week, you're going to grow some muscle. And we've seen this in the practice. People that are doing these type of infrequent exercise activities can do a good job holding on to muscularity. And that's relevant because it corresponds to preserving bone density. Osteoporosis and bone thinning is toxic. It leads to death, fractured hips. Unfortunately, Taking calcium and vitamin D does nothing to help prevent it. In one study, they looked at calcium and vitamin D to prevent osteoporosis in women who've had prior history of breast cancer. No benefit, none. 
And since there are studies correlating supplemental calcium use with increased heart disease, you have to question its value. Remember, folks, the number one reason for people to die, even women with a history of breast cancer, is still heart disease. So we want to be mindful about creating a lifestyle that protects us from that. So putting it all together, we have our friends living in the blue zones who do a lot of walking, a lot of physical activity, but never do they exercise. We have the athletes, high-intense trainers that have no net benefit in longevity despite being born with a genetic endowment of great athleticism and a history of high-level training. We have evidence of high-intensity training correlating with increased cardiac dysrhythmia, increased leaky gut syndrome, overtraining syndrome, including mood disorders can occur as well. So have fun in the gym, and there's the, there's the cornerstone. Have fun. And if you don't like going to the gym, abandon that sense of guilt that somehow you're recklessly disregarding your health and longevity. Just as good to take a nice walk, just as good to take on a physically active hobby, just as good to be mindful about moving around sporadically throughout the day. One of the things I love in this era of Zooming is the under-the-desk treadmill. I think these are fantastic. These devices go underneath a stand-up desk, and when you're going along at even one mile per hour, you can participate in a Zoom conference and nobody will even know what's happening that the treadmill's running underneath you. Are you going to sweat? No. Are you going to do a four-minute mile? No. Is it a means of conditioning for sports and activities? Not really. But does it amplify your better health? You bet. So in summary, folks, that's what we're going to do. Focus on the things you enjoy. Remember, what value does it to live longer if you're not having fun doing it? And if here's a math I've never quite figured out, and if you can figure it out, shoot me an email. If I exercise 30 minutes a day, how much time will I spend exercising over the next 20 years? And how much added lifespan will I need to achieve in order to earn back the time I spent exercising? Now, that mathematical drill only needs to take place if you find exercise to be a chore and not a pleasure. If, after all, it's a pleasure, then the time does not matter as a negative asset being expended. So exercise for joy, exercise for muscle, move for longevity, but do not feel obliged to push, 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 push to a high-intensity level. Do not do anything with a boot camp associated with it unless you're doing it for pure fun. I went to boot camp. It was not fun. I don't understand the boot camp fascination as if you can do something with super intensity and make up for a lifetime of relative sedentary activity. It doesn't work that way. So weave it into your life, folks. Remember, it's a piece of the puzzle, an element of longevity. It's part of living to be 120. You can't idly sit and wait for the health to come to you. We've got to make it a part of our daily routine. So as the snow falls outside and the blizzard comes, I look forward for the opportunity to do some light, gentle walking. And no, I will not shovel. I don't shovel. 
too intense, right? That'll throw in throw me into that cardiac toxic range. So folks, have a great uh, weekend week and stay tuned into intellectual medicine as we keep you on the cutting edge of what it takes to live to be 120 and stay youthful while you're doing it. I'll talk to you soon.